Welcome to Anthropology of Girlhood, a girlhood podcast about fae culture. I'm Alexa Rayhack. I'm a comedian and storyteller, and I use she, they pronouns. My name is Micah Silver, and I'm an elementary educator, and I use they, them pronouns. This is the first of a new type of thing we're trying out this year. This is sort of an anthology episode. We're trying to talk about the history of animation especially since disney animation has so many princess movies in it but we felt like we were doing a disservice to disney to not talk about a lot of their other films so this year we're going to do a few of these where we group a bunch of movies usually from the same production studio and look at them as a whole so this is a big chunk of movies we're doing the beginning movies next month there's going to be a chunk where we talk about the sort of golden era of disney and then later in the year there's going to be some other stuff where we talk about like don bluth movies and Leica movies and stuff like that i'm going to be covering a lot of bases this year yeah there's a lot of movies to cover and not a lot of childhood content but movies that deserve to be covered nonetheless Welcome to season two. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. So for our first anthology, we did our early years of Disney, and we are talking about Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi, Peter Pan, and Lady and the Tramp. All very iconic and important pieces of history within animation and like do have a lot of good childhood stuff right but none of them enough to cover an entire episode right and notably none of the princess movies were grouped all those together and those are going to come out in, in two, two weeks, weeks uh, on the opposite yes. Friday. So Yes. Our next episode will be all about princesses. Yeah. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it always helps. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Anthro267. For now, keep an eye out for any social media updates because that is changing. And as always, thank you and enjoy. I think it's really telling that, like, the only ones of these early Disney movies that are, like, compelling in any way are the ones that are based on much better properties you mean the ones that actually had plots to begin right. with and i'm including in that list alice in wonderland a movie that a movie and book that only have a plot in the things occur sense yeah 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 these early like i mean but like dumbo bambi and to a lesser extent like Pinocchio and Lady and the Tramp it's like those movies have plot in as much as like the character continues to stumble in a forward direction yeah there is movement but like there's not a story yeah and like a story doesn't really start to happen until maybe Snow White and that is like very I'm using that term very loosely it's so funny because Snow White is the first one right 1937 Snow White that's like the out of the box success that writes the blank check for Disney going forward right but then after and even like Snow White is 60% dwarf shenanigans yes like there's kind of a story 
but it's just a lot of like singing and like dwarves cleaning and yeah. stuff like that, you know. But like, yeah, the only ones that like where plots really occur is like Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland, uh, Lady and the Tramp, Lady and the Tramp ish, kinda. Yeah, I think out of this first batch of movies, Peter Pan is the only one with a plot. Yeah. And it's because it was a book first. Right, exactly. It's a play. Yeah. And, like, it, Disney was pretty clear about, like, well, I went to see the play, and I wanted to make the play. I wanted to make the play a movie, and he did. But, like, I, okay, here, here's the thing. I feel like we can't talk about – there's no way to talk about early Disney without talking about World War Two. Yes, that's true. Because – you know the first Disney movie, the the still the most probably the most successful Disney movie of all time, Snow White is nineteen thirty seven. Correct. Like, things are grim in Germany, but like no one's invaded Poland yet. Correct. Um, but then by like nineteen forty, when we have another Disney movie. Things have gone bad for Poland. Things. <laughs> Winter for Poland. Oh, anyway. Oh, we got to do the producers at some point just as a bonus content. Yeah. I just love that movie so much. So, yeah, then Pinocchio and Fantasia are in 1940. But the thing is, like, for the next few years, like, most of the movies can't get released internationally because of the war. Right, exactly. Or even if they do get released internationally, like they're not making a lot of money in no. Europe or Asia. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> not a lot of not as many folks go into the movies. But and also once the US does get into the war in nineteen forty two, then they the government takes over Disney Animation Studios and makes them make like propaganda short films. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so there's one like full length feature and then just a ton of um, like animated short propaganda films. So they can't actually make anything. For like another handful of years, basically, until the war is over. And then even then, like getting the like sort of plane back off the ground is is a challenge. So yeah, like it takes a minute. And notably, like the three movies that follow like Snow White, massive success. Right. Um, Pinocchio, Fantasia, both went over budget. They were more expensive than anybody planned. That makes sense. Dumbo was an attempt to remedy that situation, which is why it's made so cheaply. And there's like a bunch of segments with like no background. Yeah. Or yeah. And then Bambi again, way over budget. Yeah. Producers are furious. Yeah. The artwork in Bambi though is way too, takes way too long to make. Yeah. So then they go and make just a bunch of like anthology musical films. Right. Many of which are mixed live action animations. So this is where Mary Poppins, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and also like your musical films, your Three Caballeros, et cetera, et cetera, right. comes in. And like it's not until like 1950 really that like 
Disney starts making movies again, like real movies. movies. And the three that they had in the hopper that they were waiting to produce were Cinderella, Peter Pan, Alice in Wonderland. Yes. All which were different media first. Right. These are all retellings of products that are already exist. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think honestly, because like they had not really had success with anything. No, they haven't really like up until now, like other than snow, like snow white kind of feels like it was a fluke at this point. So snow white is a brother's grim story. Oh yeah. So is Cinderella and the little mermaid. Yeah. So like all of those are interesting. So yeah, it feels like maybe they figured out that like, that's like, I mean, I guess Pinocchio is a thing too. Yeah. Again, all of the movies that like actually do anything. Yeah. Are ones that were originally were based on something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they go back to that. Which like what it's successful. It's a good, good time. Yeah. Honestly, I think that might be the thing that Disney is best at is like taking a story that is grounded as like in humanity, especially in this early era. I'm just talking about basically like up to 1960, like the movies we've watched. But like the thing they're good at is taking a story that is like kind of grounded in humanity, but that like has a lot of fantastical elements that would be really challenging to make in a live action feature. They do really well with fairy tales. Right. So fairy tales, honestly, I think like Mary Poppins and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang are movies that are really both improved by the inclusion of the animation. No, I think so too. And like, I I think that they're good at that, like making magic with animation stuff. And they're just not good at writing a story. Like, they're no. just... They have gotten better. Let's be like... For as, sure. As... But they also have developed a formula. Right. I was going to say... But we will talk about that as we get closer. To and like once you see the formula, then all the movies that don't follow the formula are the movies that are not as successful or not as successful as they hoped. Yeah. It's interesting. Anyway. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do like a history lecture on Disney, but I felt like it, it was like, sort of necessary. That's what these first couple episodes are. I feel like until we get to like Princess and the Frog, Little Mermaid is like con like all of this is like the context of which we are watching Disney movies through. Right. So like, it's going to be history lessons and it's going to be like, not so much movie analysis as it is cultural analysis, because I feel like the setup that we're like, all of the stuff that we're watching now and everything we're looking at sets up to why we're watching all of the rest of it. Right. Cause like truly in my first draft of the like programming list for this year, it started with little mermaid. Because that was, for me, the first one that had any real, like, girlhood meat in it. Right. And it probably still is. Like, maybe we'll find some other stuff as we go. But, like, it felt like doing a disservice to 50 years of animation history in this country to just... And also, it felt like it would feel out of context to talk about a Disney princess movie... Without doing without the Without talking three. about the big... Yeah, the original three... Four, three. 
Alice in Wonderland, Alice in Wonderland is, not, is, a is not a princess. Yeah. And then once I included those, it kind of ballooned from there. It was like, oh, well, if we're going to talk about those. We got to talk about. It doesn't make sense to not talk, not at least talk briefly about Disney animation as a whole, which is so much more than princess movies. It is. But it really is the house that princess boot movies built. It right? is. Like, it really is. That is important. Like when you go to Disneyland, sure, they have. All kinds of other stuff now. There's the animal kingdom. There's whatever. But it's... But, it's like, a, when you show up, you see the big castle. Right. right. Like, you know, when you go to Disney Paris, they have the trees shaped like the trees from... So... From Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Disney Paris is Sleeping Beauty's castle. Uh-huh. So that's why the square trees. But you know where the square trees came from originally? No. Versailles. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, like... King Louis had a thing for square trees. Sure. Because, of course, he did. Whatever. But, yeah. Fucking royals, man. So that's where the square trees come from. It's from Versailles. That makes sense. It just seems like the kind of, like, bullshit, overly laborious thing that one of the Louis would come up with. Right. It 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 seems on brand. I heard a story about Versailles on TikTok recently that um, people used to just, like piss in the corners like <laughs> of the rooms of in course Versailles, to the point where it got like so disgusting and stinky that they would have to like leave and go to another like summer home to let it like air out wow <laughs> wow yeah Versailles was a wild place yeah it was just like I mean mostly it was like it was a lot of court stuff and a lot of like bullshit, but like it was just a lot of partying and drinking. Like it was just a, like a lot of royals. It was a frat house. It was exactly like a frat house for for like the trust fund kids of the you know 18th century. Yeah. Yikes! Terrifying. No wonder they got tr- all if, got executed. Yeah, frat house for trust fund kids. If all the trust fund kids had their own standing armies. Oh God. <laughs> No, thank you. So is the castle at Disney World in Florida based on a particular castle? I remember there being a main castle when I was at Disney World. Yes, that is Cinderella. The main one at Disney World is Cinderella's castle. Got it. Got it. And there's Sleeping Beauty's castle in Disneyland Resort in Paris. Yeah. Which also apparently has a dungeon system and Maleficent, Maleficent the dragon in its basement. Maleficent. Great job. Oh, <laughs> I can never get her name right. Yeah, that's a tough one. We'll talk about this next episode. She's the prettiest villain we have. That's true, yeah. She also has the smallest nose. We will talk. When we do the princess episode, we will talk about noses. Disney noses because oh boy. it's a topic. I remember that castle at Disney World, Cinderella's castle, I guess. When I went there as a little kid being like magical i have never been to disney resort no no not my parents scene so not my scene Ah. uh my parents did try to bribe me with harry potter worlds uh when i was like 20 to start coming down to do family christmas after i came out and i was like Ah. no your family ignored me when i was there last i'm not gonna be trapped in florida for a week with no escape yeah uh, even for Harry Potter worlds. Yeah. But Disney is apparently one of the most accessible places you can ever go. 
like interesting everything is designed like for everyone cool and like they have do they have low sensory days or yes. low sensory options they also uh they also have like disability programs where you don't have to wait in line and you can just like check in and like come back when it's your I time i think we've talked about this before and like their wheels the wheelchair accessibility and mobility accessibility is a huge thing the roads are nice and big and flat and clean yeah, totally um and like a lot of the newer rides like you can just roll your chair onto the rides oh cool but yeah, and like every all of the staff is so professional and it's just like, yeah, we can accommodate that. That's dope. Yeah, I think the only way I could go to like an amusement park now would be like sunglasses and headphones. Oh, like, absolutely. That would be the only way because it's or, it's so overstimulating. Yeah. That yeah, without being like worryingly drunk, it would be a problem. Right. Yeah, no, I would definitely need, like, headphones, sunglasses. Yeah. But I feel like it would be fun. I'm, like, a big enough Disney nerd that I feel like I would have fun there eventually. Yeah. I also I feel like... fond memories of it from when I was a child. There'd be some nostalgia stuff. Yeah. Because, like, I went when I was five. Yeah. Which is, like, maybe a touch too young, but still, like... Yeah, sweet dis- spot. Sweet spot in terms of, like, Disney magic. Yeah, I feel like I missed out on a lot of it as a kid, and it would be a good way to, like, have some fun with my inner childs. Yeah. Which I feel like Disney is just, like, is what it does, is, like, embrace your inner child, which is... Exactly. Disney, in general, has always played on, like, childhood nostalgia and, like, embracing your childhood. And I think especially these first, like, bunch of movies has a really good theme of, like, don't rush growing up and enjoy the magic of childhood. Totally. And like, but in a way that also like teaches you in like, it's because a lot of them are like based on fairy tales and morality tales. There are like lessons to be learned through them. Yeah. But in a very like kid friendly lens in a way that like you don't have to like miss the message if you're like seven. Right. Totally. Yeah. I feel like especially these early ones, like they're pretty simple. Yeah. Like, especially when you consider like how much the animation like feature length animation at this time was kind of a spectacle. It was yeah. like these movies are for everyone. Like these move. this is a movie that truly you can take your smallest child to and also take your grandmother to. And like, everybody's going to enjoy it. Yes. For some, you know, for one reason or another. Yeah. Your grandma's going to laugh, laugh at like racist black crows, but like, you know, whatever. Grandma's always going to be racist. She's trouble. Oh, oh, the racism the in these race, movies. Yeah, and... the woof. Oh, I have this theory, and, like, it will get tricky as we get into the, the like, golden age of Disney because there's a lot more of this. But it, I have this theory that in all these early movies, um, all of the white people are humans – Regular, normal humans. Yeah. And then all of the people of color are animals. Yes. That will get trickier as we get into the golden age because everyone is animals. Because everyone is animals. (laughs) But like in Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. We're walking around and like everybody's people. We got people kids going to school. We got people parents seeing their people kids off to school. And then suddenly our like criminal element is a fox is a fox and a cat 
So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Something is happening. Like, these are black-coated characters. Yeah, yeah, they are. And it's gross that you are depicting black-coated characters as animals. I mean, there's also, in Dumbo, there are, like, black humans, but they have no facial features at all. And I are didn't just, pick up on that. Yeah, uh, all of the people putting together the tents... Uh, in the rain right. are all black and brown and have no faces or like any like oh. they're just like wisps of humans not to mention like all of the native depictions in peter pan oh god there's like a whole musical number and then they carry it on and on and it's who boy is yeah. it trouble it, it, it is none of these hold up it's bad it's real bad well, not to mention, you know, stuff like Song of the South that we didn't oh, even watch, yeah. which like you c- they don't even make available anymore. Because no, it's so fucking disgusting. Yeah. Then like, I don't want to say the nice thing, but like the thing that Disney is being responsible enough about it, like if you watch it through Disney Plus is that there are like they haven't washed it out and like corrected it, but they do have like a disclaimer in the beginning of like, yeah, we fucked up. Uh, this, it was 1942, and even then, the stuff was unacceptable. Well, like, but we're it acknowledging it, it, and we yeah. don't like we're remaking stuff that aren't, so it's less racist. Like, uh, especially like with the Peter Pan, there was the 2003 remake where they actually hired actual native actors and like used actual native languages, and cool. you know, like had actual like native people work on the film so it was authentic and not like just that's something yeah. right uh but like the whole yeah the whole idea in general is still kind of still kind of trouble but yeah. like again it was also the play was written in the 1800s yeah peter pan first jm barry's first mention of peter pan was in 1902 so you know not great politics in 1902 <laughs> and also like it's based on like neverland is based on like the games kids play. Right, exactly. Right? Like, that's why they've got pirates and they've got Indians and whatever. Yeah. Like, it's because it's based on, like, what their child ch- imagination. Right. What were they were playing and, like... Yeah. Oh, but speaking of racism, yes. I just... Real quick, we do need to mention that, like, Walt Disney, the man himself... Quite famously, very racist. Oh, absolutely. Hated Jews. Hated non-white people. Oh, awful Uh, human being. Awful human being. Obviously, some of that stuff was going to creep into some of these movies. I just felt like if we did, if I didn't acknowledge that, it would, it would be a mistake. So no, uh, I think especially as we get towards the princesses, the underlying anti-Semitism of all of these movies, we will discuss more. Yeah, it's mostly obvious with the The princesses and the women's women in this in disney yeah but like these earlier ones like the racism is very blatant that it's not so hidden i feel like a lot of the anti-semitism is like hidden underneath all the other racism yeah but like as we get into like the golden era and even into uh the newer renaissance and stuff that's it's it's all in the noses friends yeah yeah pay attention to the noses okay so now that we have like gotten sort of we've laid some track do you want to go chronologically yeah that's a good idea 
So Snow White is going to be on our princess episode two weeks from now. So listen to that one. But then Pinocchio is the the next one. I guess Pinocchio and Fantasia come out the same year. But we didn't watch Fantasia. We didn't watch Fantasia mostly because I've seen it roughly a squillion times. There's also no plot or really anything to talk about in Fantasia. Exactly. It's an anthology. And it's another one of those like spectacle movies that's really just about like, look at the cool stuff we can do with animation. Right. Which is was sort of the vibe of animation in the like forties was like, look how cool. Also, I wanted to mention a historical detail, right? Because like, I don't feel like you can talk about movies this old without talking about like America in the thirties and forties. No, you cannot. Because in in nineteen thirty seven, like movies with sound are like less than twenty years old. Yeah, they're relatively new. Right? Like they're relatively new. So and like full length animation has not been done before. No, it has not. Also asking the question will maybe give up the answer, but Guess what percentage of the American population did not have indoor plumbing in 1940? What percentage of the population had no plumbing in their house or didn't have a flush toilet or hot water? 45%? Half. Just over half of households in the U.S. did not have indoor plumbing in 1940. Yeah, that makes sense. So you might have used your outhouse... And then gone to the movies to see Snow White. Jesus Christ. Right? So, like, I I just felt like in a history context, that is interesting. And, like, we'll talk about it. Especially, we'll talk about it in, uh, in a couple of weeks with Snow White. But like the anim- like looking at the animation and like how well it's done, and being like, this was done in 1937. Yeah, like looking at all of these movies, it's like they like the animation holds up. Yeah, it, they look beautiful. They look stunning. A lot of them are l- maybe lazily animated. I'm looking at you, Dumbo. Yes, but. You know, they look great. Yeah, they're absolutely stunning pieces of art. Especially as you get later, like Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty and Cinderella like are... Like every frame of those movies I is want, beautiful. I want a picture book of like... Yeah. Like I would take... Art, like if you gave me a screenshot, I would hang it up. Totally. Yeah. Especially, especially with the square trees and the castle. Yes. Or like all the vine work in the forest in Sleeping yeah. Beauty. Oh, it's gorgeous. But yeah, so Pinocchio... Right, but so Pinocchio... Yeah, this one definitely, like, has more of a plot than some of the other ones. But even still, it's definitely, like, the kind of plot that you would get from, like, a children's book. Yes. Where it's just, like, that a kid exists and then various situations happen to them. Yeah. And they get out of them. Yes. Right? But there's not really... An overarching a through line. Yeah. It's just like events occur. Yeah. They're vignettes. Yeah. With the same characters. Right. And like, I mean, it is an interesting story and it's like definitely has. Yeah. Like, like the whole, like trying to become a boy and like living up to like the standards of somebody else and like yeah. learning how to behave is very like, age appropriate for the audience they're going for totally but also some of these scenes were absolutely terrifying yeah it, i remember being scared of this movie this as a movie kid. does feel like a little too heavy-handedly like pointed at kids as yeah. if to be like hey kids be like 
behave. Behave. Um, yeah, in a way that's like, I don't know, kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Hot take, but Jiminy Cricket is a terrible conscience. Yeah, he's the worst. He just runs away the first sign of things get trouble. Yeah. Like, the fuck? What are you doing, my guy? That's that's the opposite of what a conscience is yeah. supposed to do. Go bother your child. Right, your child. And also, like, this kid is literally one day old. Like, he was, he literally was born yesterday yeah and you sent him off to school on his own like he doesn't even know how to get there walk him his first day maybe right also that made me crazy that like he's like hooray i'm so excited i finally have a son okay now let's go to sleep and in the morning i'm gonna send you away for the entire day like whoa 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 you just had a son apparently a thing you've wanted for a really long time and now that it's happened the first chance you get, you're like, well, you got to get out of here for like the entire day. <laughs> like I feel human like school kids, could wait. Human kids get to stay at home for like five years before they have to go to school. And Pinocchio barely got five hours. I know. No wonder he's going to go and do whatever the yeah, fuck no he wants. Yeah, no wonder he gets took at the first opportunity. He was literally born yesterday. He is 12 hours old. <laughs> Like, boy knows nothing. It's all sawdust. Yeah, exactly. This, I feel like, is a, this is a personal pet peeve of mine that, like, is in a lot of movies. Like, Moby Dick is also something like this. Whales aren't vicious. Yeah. They're big, but they're not vicious. No, not really. And, And that's sort of a thing we made up so we could murder them. Yeah. Or so that we could feel better about and having murdered so many I was going to so say, especially the big ones. Right. Like, don't get me wrong. Orcas are evil. Oh, yeah. But that's basically because they're dolphins. Yeah. And dolphins are evil. Right. But, like, big baleen whales like that, one, they don't have sharp teeth like that. That's not how... Right. And also, like, with the exception of sperm whales, like... They're the gentlest creatures you can possibly because they're just filter feeders. They're right. literally just swimming around with their mouths open all day. Also, like that's you can't be swallowed by a whale hole. I know this is an animation and like, but like that's just <laughs> it has always bothered me. And I'm like, that is not how biology works. <laughs> None of this is how this works. You can't just live in someone's stomach like this. No, there is acid, there's acid and stuff. This wouldn't happen. Also, like whales aren't I big enough to be swallowing whale's a mouth. Maybe. But also, like, the whale is not big enough to swallow a boat at some points. And then. Right. It's like they, you have you have your whale scale wrong. Also, Pinocchio's nose grows a lot less than I remember. Yeah, there's I thought it, I thought I remembered it being like a through line of the movie, but it's literally like in one, one scene. scene. Yeah. Because all the jokes about Pinocchio and all the like cultural reference about Pinocchio moving forward. You know what we're thinking of? We're thinking of Shrek. Yes. Yeah, Shrek really plays on. Shrek too. really leans into the growing nose thing. Yeah, but it basically doesn't happen. No, in this there was also there was another one that I was like I remember there being more of something and I don't. Remember. Oh, in Dumbo, I remember there being more flying elephant, and it's like the last two minutes. Yeah, it's like the very end of the movie. I was thinking the same thing. Like I remembered that he flew a bunch. But he doesn't. It's no. like right at the very end. He's like, now I'm special because I can fly. And just movie. Like, let's get down to the central issue of like, you are only as good of a being, as valuable of a being as you are like able to provide something. Yeah. Or in some way have a gift that no one else has. You cannot be unique unless it is profitable. 
Bingo. Which is also like, I mean, that's the same moral as Pinocchio uh, as uh, and Rudolph. Rudolph and the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Like that's the same thing is like unless you, you're, you're going to be un- a freak unless you're fucking unless you're useful to us. And then you, otherwise you should just go die. If your uniqueness cannot be capitalized on it, you are not welcome. Right. Look at circuses and sideshows and yeah. like, you know, looking at Greatest Showman like you have like you're trying to be like we celebrate your uniqueness. It's like, no, you're capitalizing no. off of it. Right. And like that's not the same thing. No, and in Pinocchio, like he's only special because and only can be special because he can be used as a special wooden puppet. Right, because he's basically like a puppet who nobody has to animate. Right, and it's like we should be specific. He's a marionette. A puppet is a different thing. Yes, um, but like I feel like that's a lot of Disney's overall is like. Totally. Celebrate your specialness, but only like remember you can only be special if you can be useful to others. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of the through line in a lot of these early movies. And then you can only be happy if you're pretty, is another one. That too, which we will talk yeah, about. Yeah, like week. especially that, like you are as valuable in you are valuable in direct proportion to how pretty you are. So we got Pinocchio, and then what's next on the list? chronologically dumb is dumbo Dumbo. so yeah and dumbo is like dumbo is just another one of those like vignettes right and it's just like it's like one step away from being fantasia it really is because again it's like we're at the beginning and we're just we're getting like circus vignettes right and then we move on and we get like wild animal vignettes and then he gets drunk and we get like hallucination vignettes and then the movie's over yeah then he's flying and we're done and we're done yeah like but again that was a movie that was made as like a money saver right like we're trying to make this as cheaply as possible because we have been going over budget and we just need something to make money right and like it's very it feels very much of its time like definitely where same with Pinocchio where I feel like Lady and the Tramp and Peter Pan are both a little bit like timeless totally um I mean like Lady and the Tramp you like clearly it is a it takes place in the past but it like is kind of like right not as like dated in the storytelling which is funny because I always figured that the more human ones would feel more placed in time but they don't no. like Sleeping Beauty, Snow White, Cinderella, like those feel less placed in time than Dumbo or Pinocchio do. Yeah. So Dumbo and then Bambi, which, again, is like a nothing movie like Bambi, Bambi is also another vignette movie has 10 minutes of plot in an 80 minute movie so bambi's the first one where we get a dead mom like an explicit dead mom that's true but like pinocchio doesn't have a mom dumbo's mom gets put in jail right like we clear like from early on we we have a thing thing about about moms moms. well yeah like snow white like we know nothing about her like background or parentage at all she just like appears again both snow white and cinderella have evil stepmoms right right um and you know like even like with the newer stuff we're still talking and then about sleeping Ma. beauty her parents are both dead no they're not or that's cinderella i'm yeah. thinking of cinderella uh cinderella uh sleeping beauty is taken away from her parents right yeah to go live with her three 
uh, fairy mothers. We've watched so many of these movies all back to back. I know. They all kind of blended together. Blend no, together but like in in, even in like when we start talking about more modern day movies, like like Turning Red and like Inside Out, we're still talking about like parents not understanding and specifically moms. Yeah. Disney's always had mom issues. Like, I wonder. It's so central to so many of their movies. I wonder what that is. We never really talk about father issues in Disney movies. I mean, I think there has been an understanding in a lot of American culture for a long time that fathers aren't parents. That's true. Right? Like, I don't think there's been a parenting <laughs> expectation from for fathers until, like, pretty recently, unfortunately. That's very true. Because, like, I don't feel like if you made Snow White in 1937, like, I don't think it would be, like, a fun, tragic backstory to be, like, her father died. No, that would just be... Like, no... It, that, no one would care. No one would care. But the father in Bambi is at least present. Kinda. Kinda. He's more present than anyone else's. There's... He has no lines. He does... He has, like, one or two yeah. lines of dialogue. Yeah. Like a true father. Right. <laughs> Just a, a masculine, intimidating presence with like an occasional line of dialogue. That's right. sort of my experience of fatherhood. <laughs> I feel like Bambi has got some really good representation of like the like what it means to like grow up being a masculine person and like looking at like what masculinity should look like. Totally. Like the scene of him in the uh, meadow with watching all the ma- the boy deers jump around and like yeah. his like father coming through and just like that like this is what it means to be a man kind of vibe yeah which is like interesting it is interesting um because they're deer and, and I, the fact that you can get that out of deer is pretty impressive and i do like that there's kind of a lot of different depictions like because all the characters we meet are like you know small woodland animals like they're they're capable of being soft and pretty and fun and it's not seen as like a weakness in any way right like flower like flower i love flower he can call me flower if he wants (laughs) that's some queer shit right there yeah no i'm low-key everyone in bambi is gay yeah the next one after Bambi that we actually watched that isn't a princess movie is Peter Pan. And like Peter Pan, I feel is like where we f- like finally get to like dive into childhood shit. I mean, the central point, the central struggle of Peter Pan, the character and Peter Pan, the story is the resistance of children to growing up and having adult responsibility. Right. Or like watching it get forced upon them. Right. And whether they like it or not. Right. Yeah. And I think especially like as a femme person, I really identified with Wendy of like being forced to grow up faster than I was just thinking that exactly, you know, like, like wanting to stay in your childhood, but being forced to be like, no, you're old enough. You need to be mature and take on more responsibility. Now this is, this is exactly like, the illustration of the point illustration, huh? It's animated. Yeah. The illustration of the point we talk about all the time about how like girls don't mature faster. Girls are expected to yes mature faster, right? Like they're expected to take on more responsibility earlier than you would expect a male child of the same age. Yeah. And like 
it's all about societal expectation. And like, I, yeah, I really, I thought that was really great that she's like, as much as she likes being responsible and she does enjoy, I think like caring for her siblings, absolutely and caring for the lost boys. Like she also wants to be a kid. Right. And just be able to like have adventures, have adventures and fuck around and fly off to Neverland. Or right. And like, I think we also see it really well in the dynamic of their parents of where Mr. Darling is allowed to be loud and boisterous and angry and have like, big feelings where uh, Mrs. Darling is always calm, collected and managing everyone else's feelings. Yeah. I didn't notice that, but yeah, that's really interesting how, how gendered, how clearly gendered the expectations are. And then also I think it's really interesting that now we're really getting into the gender theory shit. This is the good shit (laughs) that Peter Pan kind of embodies both the masculine and the feminine parent. Yes. For the Lost Boys. Yes. Right? Like Tinkerbell exists, but Tinkerbell's She's not, a parent. not a parent. She's like in the crew. Right. She's Tinkerbell is pure chaos. Right, exactly. But like Peter is a he's loud and boisterous and he gets everybody in adventures, but he's also like keeping everyone safe. He's making sure everyone gets to bed on like gets yeah. to bed. Like he's making sure everyone gets fed. Like he's everyone's pa- right. Like he gets to be both. Yeah. I parents. think that's like, so Peter Pan was one of my first fixations. Like I have, I have seen every adaptation of Peter Pan and yeah. like, Oh yeah. Like love the Disney movie. I used to watch the musical all the time. The 2003 version with Jason Isaac as hook hook, which is still, hook, which is also, iconic. But I think one of the big reasons I loved it so much is that, Peter as a character has kind of always been genderless. Right. Exactly. Because like even it, cause like a lot of the, especially when on stage production, he's usually played by a woman. Right. Because you're supposed to get that like little boy effect right. and like women, grown women are little boys apparently. Well, they have the voices that right. little boys have importantly for, right. for singing. But anyway. like, you know, I, I remember always being drawn to Peter Pan. Cause I was like, Oh, oh, and yeah. looking back at it, it's like, oh, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, I like I liked Wendy, but I was always more connected to Peter than I was anyone else. And I think I also like as an eldest child who felt like they had to grow up faster yeah. and like manage other people's around me. I think the idea of getting whisked off to be able to like go and have adventures was really like appealing yeah. and like absolute refusal to like grow up and just stay a child's was very appealing. And I think like there's a read of Peter Pan where I don't think this is a read. I think this is text where he's sort of like a minor deity. Right? Oh yeah. He's like the avatar of imagination. Yes. Right. Like he is, he is what he's every kid's imaginary friend. Right. Right. Peter Pan is like, you know, he's every kid's imaginary friend. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so like, I think the fact that he is genderless is like kind of part of it. Right. Because like, because like imagination doesn't discriminate. Like in your brain, you can be whoever and like your imaginary friend can be whoever and they don't even need to have a gender. No. And I feel like Neverland in general is also very well balanced in like a gender way. Like, like you have the quote unquote masculine things of like pirates and like, you know, 
sword fights and all of that shit but you also have mermaids and fairies and like you have this like seemingly perfectly balanced world that is just like imagination and childhood and like you have plus like (laughs) importantly this is weird but like for you and I, for like genderless people, all in between is all like forest and right. mountains and island and right. stuff. And it's like, well, that's perfect. <laughs> that's great. You got beaches, you got mountains, you got forests, you got it all. Right. Like I think Neverland has always been this like interesting combination of everything, and the, like it gets taken granted for like how diverse it is. Totally. Because it, and I think it is because it's supposed to be. It's imagination, and it, it's yeah. you know that childhood wonder of like, of course you can fit five different climates onto a tiny island. It's it's imagination, imagination. right? It's the same reason you can live in a goddamn tree, right? Because yeah, kid imagination is powerful. Yeah, and like I think we don't give cr- kids enough credit for that. Like, no, we do not. Kids like your average eight year old is a better world builder than like every. GM in their 30s. Oh, yeah, because they have no concept of shame around them yet. And, like, they have no restraints of, like, they just will say yes to everything. And, like, it's so open. And which is, like, why I really love doing world building activities with my students. Yeah. Because they're just, like, I don't know. It's a lake full of lava. Or, like dinosaurs live here along with the fairies. Cool, man. All the animals have six legs. Great. Great. Everyone's purple. Cool. Cool. I also kind of like low key love that uh, Peter is kind of an absolute terror and like, yeah, the absolute chaos. And like, cause like I love from a child, I was like, oh my God, Peter is like, you know, your, your childhood deity. He's your, you know, like forever imagination friend. Your, you know, forever child, your imaginary friend. But like as an adult, I'm like, oh, that child needs some fucking boundaries. Right. Like, right. The, he is he is a menace to society and like yeah i mean like if we're talking about the philosophy of disney as a whole right like i think up to this point a major struggle is like the the struggle between childhood freedom and imagination and like responsibility and empathy yes and this is like peter pan is i feel like where we start to get on the more than fifth, the majority subtle side, right? Where we're still, we the message is still like, yes, you should be able to have fun and be a kid and have an active imagination, but like you also do have some responsibilities, like as a member of a right. society, you are part of a collective. Like if you do this and nothing but this all the time, you cannot have like a real life. And of course you need a woman to teach you because it's Wendy who comes in and like yeah. actually like, because boys can't have empathy. Right. And also like notably, she makes them all want to go home by reminding them of their moms. Yeah. Which is like, great. I need to, a mo- I need a, woman to teach you that you need empathy so that you can go back to another woman to take care of you to take care of you it's like all of this is trouble yeah and then also that like i kind of forgot about this that like the central conflict of the movie happens because of the feud between Tinkerbell and Wendy. Yeah, like, yeah. Tinkerbell is jealous yeah, of this human petty girl. Yeah, the misogyny between Tinkerbell and, like, it's 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 the pick-me girl. Yes, exactly. It's, like, the start of the, like, 
but we've been friends forever and you should like me more. And all of a sudden you like like somebody else. We are different species, Tinkerbell. Yeah, baby, <laughs> sweetie, honey. Also, like I love Tinkerbell in theory. Like, I think she's an interesting character. Sure. Where is this going? I don't love the depiction of her in this in Disney's. Yeah. She's just like too. She's just kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. She like doesn't. She's just there to be an antagonist. Yeah. Which like I don't she's love as there a character. To be like a petty woman who sets the plot off. Yeah, exactly. It kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, she's better in Hook. She's great in Hook. <laughs> she's phenomenal in Hook. I think the she's pretty the 2003 version also has a pretty good tank. She's got more of a personality, even though she doesn't say a word the entire time. She there's some really good acting though that she yeah. like really has like a personality that comes through nice. and is a little bit more well rounded. I also think I'm just gonna sound like a dork and that's fine. Like I also think that this the Disney version of Peter Pan really like simplifies fairies and pixies as a concept to a pretty like two dimensional boring kind of thing where like fae are a lot more complicated and tricky and like have so like, of course I, I don't know why I didn't have this on my bingo card, but I should have known <laughs> we were good. You were going to get mad about the depiction <laughs> Of fake culture in Of Peter course Pan. I am. You know me. You fucking dork. Yeah. Yeah. God, what did I just watch that had a good... Oh, I just watched that 2019 Hellboy, the one with David Harbour. Oh, yeah. Um, Really good fairy depictions. Ooh. Yeah. How was it they, as a remake for Hellboy? Uh, it was fine. I... Grayson and I both really love the character of right. Hellboy, so I will kind of watch anything. anything. So we really liked it, but I take that with a grain of salt. Right. It's still not a Del Toro movie, which... Yeah. But David Harbour is good. David Harbour is great. I think he's an excellent actor. He is. It's just, it's hard to beat, like, Ron Perlman is yeah. so iconic in he, that role. He really was. They do the thing, though, that, that, like, all movies that include, like, fairies or, like, fictional creatures of any kind always do which is they take the name of like a a real yeah. like folklore creature but they just take the name and they don't do any of the research behind and it and then they turn it into they make it look like something totally different or they change it into something totally different that's not what that is and it's like it's not that's not you can't just take the name you it has a history it's like if you called something a dragon and it like walked on two feet and it was furry and it was an herbivore. It's like, well, that's not a dragon. That's not a dragon. Nothing about that is a dragon. Not like you can't just take the name. No. Respect the goddamn folklore. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we were talking about Peter Pan, <laughs> a movie by Walt Disney Animation Studios released in 1953. And we're talking about the Fae. <laughs> I mean, it could be argued that Peter's Faye. I think so, yeah, totally. So, like, it makes sense. <laughs> he does steal children. He does steal so children. So, there's that. That's a big Faye thing. Yeah, and he's children. like pure chaos. Yeah, totally. And, you know. So, maybe he and Tink are not entirely different species. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, the last thing I have to say about Peter Pan is, like, 
we have to talk about the Captain Hook of it all. Yeah, we do. Because this, I, this might be the first instance of this that we've seen, but this will continue to be a theme. This, like, queer-coded, effete, kind of conniving villain archetype yeah. that is going to continue to be... Yeah. All over the place. Yeah, this is really the like first clear, like queer coded villain that we have. It's just like, I don't know. It's just really gross. It's really gross. And it feels out of place, even as like, even within the dynamic of like the ship. It's like, why are these like gruff pirates even listening to this guy? Right. Like, why? Just none of this makes sense. No, because all of the villains are queer coded. I've always loved all of the villains. And yeah. like, I like, I love Captain Hook. I think he's a really interesting villain. And I think yeah. that like, I think it's an interesting antagonist to like have this like adult who is so structured in rules and grown up world that he like a, the idea of childhood is like something that he has to fight against. Right. And I think that is an interesting dynamic to have as a storytelling. Totally. That being said, the like effeminate and like the feminist of it all just feels like oil slick over it. Yeah. It feels really bad. And, like it's one thing where you have it in like hook where they play it up and it's on purpose and you yeah. have like, a queer dynamic that you're going for and it's like not it's part of him and it's not because he's a villain he's gay right where i feel like in the disney version it's It's, very much like he's gay therefore he's the villain exactly not he's villainous and gay exactly we're like i wouldn't have a problem like here's my pitch here's my rewrite and i know like it was the 50s this would never happen my rewrite of this is like captain hook is like a daddy yes right and like he's like this like hulking bear dude. Yes. That like is clearly gay, but is also like very masculine. Yes. And then Smee is like a service bottom, right? Yeah, he's like, the twink. He's the twink who's like running around doing all the stuff and like yeah, y- you know all all of that stuff. But like it just doesn't. It just feels bad because it feels like at every opportunity a male hero has to tr- like triumph over femininity in order to succeed. Yes. Which is just so central to like the toxicity of masculinity. Yeah. That it's like this shit is so ingrained in our culture and it's in all of our movies, including our animated movies from 70 years ago. Yeah. And like, especially like as we get into princesses and look at the girlhood of it all, like the vilification of femininity is strong even as we have female central characters and like so much especially and we'll talk about this next episode but like how much how long it took for our female characters to be active in saving themselves and and active in their own stories yeah which is yeah like just 20 years ago i guess that started like the early 2000s kind Kind of. of Like, you got Mulan, and then it takes a while. Right. Mulan is the one, and then Disney doesn't do that again. Until Princess and the Frog. Yeah. Which is, what, 2006? Yeah. So then after Peter Pan is Lady and Lady the Tramp. Lady and the Tramp. Which is just a story about why you don't let cat people watch your dogs. Totally. Yeah. Because, like, 
Aunt Sarah doesn't like dogs and just like doesn't know how to handle Lady. No. And Lady is the perfect lady. Yeah. Lady is such a good dog. <laughs> it's so cute. I didn't it didn't occur to me like I've seen this movie before, obviously, but it took me like two thirds of the way through this movie to realize that like Lady only knows her owners by, by the, the names, names they, they call, call each other. other. I know. That was one of my first notes. I so love- she knows her parents as Darling and Jim Deer, <laughs> which I think is fucking precious. It's so true, though. That's so fucking yeah, cute. Yeah, I mean, my kids think that both their parents are named Baby. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, Lady and the Tramp is, like, I'm such a sucker for, like, a privileged person being pulled from their privilege and, like, yeah. shown what the real world's like. Totally. And I think this is why. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is one of this those. This movie's a perfect little encapsulation of that. Right. Yeah. And, like, it's done in a way that, like, isn't making fun of Lady for her privilege and, like, isn't, like, right. vilifying her for, like, being in the spot that she is. But, like also teaching her that like the world is bigger than what it is in your backyard. Right. And which I think is like a, uh, honestly like a really good object lesson in showing people their privilege is like, if you confront people and like start blaming them for having the privilege that they have, they're going to get defensive and they're going right. to shut down and they're not going to listen to you anymore. But if you can show them like, I recognize this isn't your fault. I recognize you weren't chose how you, where you were born i recognize you didn't choose your parents occupations but let me show you how much different it is right for people who weren't born with you know silver food bowls or right whatever. i really love the tramp i think he's an interesting character and i think like for such a short and simple movie they pack a lot of personality into the to lady and tramp and yeah. i think it's really like i forgot I always like I never go back to Lady and Tramp because I'm like, ah, oh, it's just they're pretty flat. But it's not as flat as I remember. No. It. And like even the side characters have a lot of personality. Totally. Plus, he's a tramp is a goddamn banger. Yeah, totally. And it's just I don't know. It's super cute. And I forgot how cute it was. Do you want to do a lightning round? Let's do a lightning round. One of my favorite moments in Peter Pan is there's a fourth wall break from the crocodile. I didn't notice. He just like Captain Hook like is up above like is doing something and the crocodile just looks at the camera and it's just like, yes. <laughs> I just speaking of Peter Pan, the St. Bernard, Nana, they're like nanny dog. Yeah. Best dog in the world. Award. Oh, Nana like, is the... all the awards forever until the end of time for Nana. I Nana's the original service dog. I like that the kids legitimately think that nana is their mom yeah like <laughs> nana is like the governess and they respect that right exactly that's amazing oh also there's a scene in peter pan where tinkerbell i think it's when they're getting the kids and tinkerbell stands on a hand mirror and she looks down and she sees herself from like below. And she like measures her waist. She measures her hips and looks at it like, ugh, my hips are too wide. She is a tiny little fairy. I, I wrote, you literally have a one centimeter waist. You are not allowed to have body <laughs> issues. And like in the original text, she's curvy. Is she? Yeah. She's like supposed to be plus size from the original J.M. Barry text. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. She's not supposed to be like a tiny little Every thing. Every depiction I've ever I seen. I know. Of she's like stick thin no she's supposed to be curvy interesting 
Huh. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it just felt really weird. I was like, if Tinkerbell can't have good body image, like who? No, and who Tinkerbell can? and like Tinkerbell is like, especially in the this version, is like the ideal hourglass. Yeah, exactly. She has a tiny waist and she has hips and a bust, but they're not like huge. No, she's, she's literally still very thin. Yeah, and the fact that we have to like call it out, like we took time to animate her feeling bad about her body. Yeah. It's gross. It's real gross. And honestly, I can't help but feel like it's another, like, gross comparison thing with Wendy. Yeah. Because Wendy is a child, so she doesn't have hips yet. Yeah. And so it's like, a, oh, well, Peter's going to like this child better than me because she doesn't have hips. Which, like, again, gets at the, like, sort of central pedophilia of, yeah. like, the male gaze. Yep. That's all. Yeah. yeah. It's gross. It's gross. I don't know how, in Pinocchio, I don't know how anyone sleeps in Geppetto's workshop with I, all the ticking clocks. Oh, my God. I couldn't. I couldn't I could do not. it. I'd have to, I couldn't even be in the basement or on the roof. Like, it would make me And they crazy. go off every hour? No, thank you. Okay, so in Dumbo, we are like, our opening scene is storks delivering babies. Uh-huh. I don't understand it. Like, I've never understood, like, why we use that as, like, a metaphor. Like, why that was an explanation that we thought was a good idea to tell kids where babies come from. Because, like, kids will still observe their parents being pregnant. Right. So, like, magically a bird just, like... Happens to coincide with, with the pregnancy. See? Like... Okay, mom was pregnant, and then suddenly a bird came, but then mom was also, like, visibly not as pregnant anymore, but then there was a baby. So, like, kids aren't stupid. No, they're not. And it's just, I, I can't help but think it's just, like, the, like puritanical American thing of, like, not wanting to mention anything that even, like, vaguely involves anyone's genitals yeah it's gotta be it's just weird oh there's just a line in lady and the tramp that made me crazy i don't really have notes about it it just made me mad somebody says the human heart has a limited capacity for love yes absolutely not no uh, i absolutely not under no no you're wrong 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 on so many levels. Wrong on so many levels. But from a dog perspective, it makes sense of like, especially when there's a new baby and you get like, because like, again, like this is why you also have to like, if you get a new pet or you have a new child, you need to make sure that you give your right. existing really. This is just in general. If you and have also a, if you have a new human, human relationship. relationship, you need to make sure that your existing relationships have you put time and energy into them right. because they can get overlooked because new relationship energy is incredibly strong. Yeah. And like, so like when I got Molly, I had to make sure I give extra attention to Yoshi because Yoshi needs to know that he's just because there's a new baby in the house. Doesn't mean I love him any less. Right. And like, if you start dating a new person, you need to make sure that your relationships with your other people are still, you know, solid, solid and being cared to. to Cause yeah. otherwise it could just be, like you will forget about them and other people will get overlooked. Yeah. It's almost like relationships take effort and work and there's not just like yeah. something to take it granted for. Totally. I love that the villain in Bambi is men. Yeah. Like leave it to men to ruin everything. Yeah. And like human men in particular, but yeah. men in general. Yeah. yeah. 